What's up, everybody? I'm Sarah. I'm Shauna. I'm Sam. And I'm Bobby. And this is Speaking of Murder. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> everybody to part two of Ted Bundy. Um, before we get started though, a little bit of business. Everybody, Patreon is launching this week. Our first bonus episode is going to be this Saturday, the 30th. So make sure you're hopping on there and getting subscribed before that bonus episode drops so you're not missing it. Also, you'll be getting you know all of our episodes ad-free so I know we don't have many ads at this point, but we do have one. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll get to hear it without that ad at the beginning. So, But we I mean, have one, and we love her. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure you're subscribing. It helps us out so we can put out a better quality show. That said, check out our other shows. Speaking of missing persons and speaking of hauntings, if you like this, you'll like those. So definitely go check those out. We cut loose a little bit more on the hauntings. It's a slightly less serious subject matter. Yeah, we were talking about it. All of our personal friends, that's their favorite one. So, yeah. wow, I like the missing persons a lot. Uh, my really best friend prefers one. our murder. I like the murders, but they uh, give me stomach aches <laughs> to research. <laughs> they cause me a lot of stress researching uh i think she just likes him because she wants to be a cop so she's trying to learn um no i don't want to be a cop i didn't say that i said my best friend wants to be a cop oh oh they're allison's favorite because she's trying to be a cop oh yes what's up allison (laughs) (laughs) go check out the other shows (laughs) you'll like those if you want to see pictures associated with today's episode Check out our Instagram at Missing Murdered Haunted. You can find them on the Facebook too if that's easier for you. Missing Murdered Haunted Podcast. So make sure you go there, join the the Facebook page, say hi. In addition to all that, if you have case suggestions, send those over to the email missingmurderedhaunted at gmail.com. We obviously do get those. We respond. We do those cases. So send those on over. And thanks again, Luella, for this one. I don't know. How Sarah felt about researching it, but I'm sure enjoying listening to it. Same, Bob. Same. <laughs> <laughs> it was fine researching it. I just hope I'm the one she wanted to hear tell it. Ooh. Because mm-hmm. she didn't specify. Well, all of that said, Sarah, <laughs> tell us more about Ted Bundy. Okay, Bob. <laughs> there it is. Sure thing. Love to, Bob. <laughs> Love to. Samantha would not. I'm just preparing. <laughs> well, you should hold on to your... Get in the car. Get your strap on. We're going for a ride. <laughs> yeah, hold on to your beans and your weens, folks. <laughs> <laughs> your vienies? No, your beans. Oh, okay. Your beans and weens? Your weens. Oh, okay. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right, well, last week... 
We talked about Ted Bundy's life up until January 1974. I briefly mentioned how certain people didn't really think that he was capable of being a murderer. Like Liz couldn't believe that Ted was capable of murders, even though she suspected it and even told the police she thought it was him, it was still hard to believe. And she wasn't the only one. A lot of people backed him up and did not believe he was doing the things that he was doing. I Most feel like killers with that level of charisma, they, they fool the people around them. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, not only did he have that level of charisma, he also was well-educated and he didn't come from a horribly abusive background like you think, you know, like Charles Manson came from a really bad upbringing. That's just an example. But like Ted didn't. His mother was really good to him. His grandfather was even really good to him, even if he may have shown him things that were vile and not meant for children. He never physically abused him that anyone knows of. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to, before I go telling you about the murders he committed, because I'm going to do it in like chronological order, because I feel like that's the easiest way for everybody to be able to follow along. But I'm going to tell you his MO first. Because I don't really feel like saying these things over and over again after every girl. I don't think you want to hear it. I know Smetha doesn't want to hear it. So we're going to do it this one time. Um, so he's... I'm trying to say this the right way. If I don't go into detail about how he killed the girl and I just say he murdered her or he killed her or whatever, then he did it in this way, if that makes sense. Got it. Okay. First of all, he was very organized and calculated. He had an extensive knowledge of law enforcement, which helped him. Ted knew that if he spread his murders out over different jurisdictions, then it would be harder to catch him because back then there wasn't these high fancy computers that could link him to different states and these cops didn't talk to each other. So if he moved around, then he would be less likely to get linked to multiple murders. He killed at least... 20 of these women before the numerous police jurisdictions even knew they were hunting the same man. Jeez. Typically, he used blunt force trauma and strangulation as his means to kill because he knew that a gun was too loud and also would leave way more evidence and so would a knife. So he chose to use, he didn't I think sometimes he used his bare hands, but for the most part, he used some kind of cloth to strangle them. Like, one girl was found with socks around her neck, which, if I wasn't already dead, I would I would be dead if somebody tried to wrap socks around my throat, because just FYI, fun fact about me, fucking gross. Don't ever touch me with your socks. He also did extensive research about his hunting grounds beforehand that way it would be easier for him to seize and then dispose of his victims without being seen 
So he had it planned where he was going to go and then where he was going to put their bodies way before he actually took them. His fingerprints were never found at a crime scene, which he liked to point out later on when he was claiming his innocence. Like, you never found my fingerprints anywhere. So how are you linking me to this kind of a deal? He started out peeping into windows like he did when he was a teenager. Then later, he would go back and break in through an unlocked window or door. Because again, back then, people didn't lock their windows and doors as much as they do now. He would then violently attack with a blunt object while his victim was sleeping. Sometimes he would sexually assault them with a foreign object, all while they were unconscious or dead. Later, his method evolved. He became way more organized. He started using a ruse to lure his victims to his cream-colored Volkswagen Beetle. He would have a weapon, like, already positioned near his car. Typically, it was a crowbar. So he would put it under one of the tire, like, by the one of the tires on the passenger side of his car before he even went to try to find a victim. And he would have handcuffs ready in his front seat. So he was well-prepared before he even went to try to find someone. His favorite thing to do was to wear a plaster cast on one leg, and he, it would be from his knee all the way down to where just his toes were exposed. Or he would wear a sling on one arm, and if he did the cast on his leg, he would hobble on crutches while trying to carry something to his car. So girls would feel bad for him and be like, oh, yeah, I'll help you with that because you're on crutches. You have a broken leg because he was attractive and charismatic. It's also said that Ted Bundy created this, uh, like, what I'm trying to say is since Ted Bundy, it became harder for women to trust men at all, no matter what they looked like or their, like, disabilities or anything like that. Oh, he created this fear? Yeah, even if they looked innocent enough. I could believe it. There was one time that I found where he pretended to be a police officer. When a woman would offer to help him, Ted turned on the charm to make them feel one, like, super at ease and comfortable. He knew how to talk to them. Once they were at his car, he would hit them in the back of the head with the crowbar while they were bent putting whatever they were carrying for him in the passenger side. When they would, like, raise back up, he would hit them in the back of the head with this crowbar, put them in the car, and then handcuff them. Some things said that he would handcuff them to, like, the bar of the driver's seat, like, at the bottom of the driver's seat. But some just said he handcuffed them, like their two hands together. Sometimes he raped them right there in the car. But most of the time, he took them to a predetermined location. When Ted raped his victims, it was always from behind. And he pretty much would either rape them in the vagina or 
the anus. He didn't really have a preference. And at the same time, he would be strangling them with whatever piece of cloth or his hands or whatever. At the secondary location, he would strip them of their clothes and dispose of them in some way. Sometimes he would burn them. They say in one case he actually took the girls' clothes and put them in a Goodwill drop box. He did this to get rid of evidence, but he also later said that it was ritualistic for him to strip them naked. And a lot of these victims, he returned to the site where their body was and engaged in necrophilia. Some of them he removed their heads and buried their body and then moved their head to a different location. Samantha's getting sick over there. He also later told detectives that he took Polaroid pictures of all of them because, quote, when you work hard for something, you don't want to forget it. Gross. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The big thing, though, is he claimed that he had to consume large amounts of alcohol to carry out the murders because he knew right from wrong. And he said that he would need the alcohol to cloud his judgment? cloud the good part of his brain. That's so fucking dumb. Right? That doesn't make a lick of fucking sense. No, it doesn't. And like I said, Anne Rule, the crime author, claimed in her book that Ted picked his victims because of his feelings over Stephanie. She claimed that all of his victims looked exactly the same, that they were all white with brunette hair that was long and straight and parted down the middle. But Ted said in his words, that is crap. They all had different body styles. And my only criteria was that they were young and beautiful. It had nothing to do with any girl I ever dated. All right. I so at that point, I think Ted was... I'm not going to say that he was trying to look out for Stephanie's feelings, I feel like, just a little no, bit. No, he wasn't. I think the only girl's feelings he really ever truly cared about, kind of, was Liz. And she's not true because there are one or two of his victims that have blonde hair. They're not all brunette. Oh, what the author says what the is, author not, says. is not accurate. I don't think that that's accurate. I think some of the things she said were a little fabricated. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. Because I've seen pictures of almost all of these women, and they were not all brunette. They do not all look the same. They're very different. He's right. They're very different. The only thing they have in common is they're really pretty, and they were young. That's just my opinion. Don't come after me. So Ted's first murder victim is considered to be a girl named Linda Ann Healy. The first one he admits to anyway? Yes. The first one he confirms is his murder, first murder victim. But there was a victim before her that survived his attack. And it happened on January 4th of 1974. So Ted broke into the home of Joni Lenz. He brutally attacked her using a metal bar torn from her own bed. And he used this metal bar 
to savagely rape her with it. Jesus. And beat her with it. Joni's roommates did not find her until the next afternoon because they thought that next morning that she was just sleeping in because she might be sick. So they didn't actually go check on her until the afternoon after he attacked her. And somehow she was still alive and survived. But she had severe internal damage to her organs that could not be fully repaired. She suffered brain damage and she had no memory of this attack whatsoever. When police like investigated that, they found nobody that like harbored any ill will towards her. So they were like, okay, this is just some random attack that's happening. And I think they kind of thought it was like a one and done kind of a deal, but it wasn't. On January 31st, so not even a full month later, 22-year-old Linda Ann Healy, who was a senior at the University of Washington and did the week the weekday ski report for the radio station, her and her friends like left their house, walked several blocks to this place called Dante's Tavern. They ordered a pitcher of beer, not realizing that a killer was watching them. So he was in this bar. After their second pitcher, the group left because one of the friends needed to catch the 9.40 p.m. bus that would take him home. Ted followed the group to the house without them having any clue. He waited for a while after they went in, and then he checked the front door, and it was unlocked. But he didn't go in right then. He waited until the middle of the night on February 1st, and he entered their house, and Linda was in, like, they called them apartments because it was like a house share kind of thing for college. So she was, had a room in the basement with another girl. And then there were people who lived up on the main floor of this house. For some reason, he went to her room in the basement and she woke up to him literally sitting on top of her, choking her. And she, I guess you can't really fight at that point because you have this huge man sitting on top of you and he's choking the life out of you. Well, he choked her until she was unconscious and... I guess while he was choking her, her nose started bleeding. And so blood ran down her face. It got on her pillow. It was on the sheets. And it was on her nightgown. So Ted took her nightgown off, hung it in the closet with the rest of her clothes. Then he put her in a chair and he made her bed like military style made her bed. And he took the pillowcase off her pillow. He made her bed, like, so neat that her roommates questioned it when the police showed up because they were like, she never made her bed during the week. And when she did make her bed, it was not that good. Right. Before taking Linda and leaving, for some reason, he grabbed a backpack and some of her clothes. The only thing ever found of her was her lower mandible and it was at a dump site of Ted's in March of the next year. So March of 1975. They found this is where he 
put some of the girls' skulls or parts of their heads. And that's the only thing they ever found of her? Yeah, is her lower mandible. Investigators soon realized that this place called Taylor Mountain, which was 25 miles from Seattle, would be a place he, like I said, would dump heads, but only their heads. Some people believe he buried the rest of their bodies somewhere on that mountain. Other people believe he buried their bodies somewhere else and just brought their heads there for some reason. Who knows? But all the girls that he put their heads on this Taylor Mountain place, they never found any other part of them besides some part of their skull. I wonder if those are the bodies that he burned. Well, he never said he burned bodies. He said he burned their clothes. Oh, okay. I misunderstood then. Ted's next victim was 20-year-old Donna Gail Manson. She was a student at Evergreen State College in Olympia, Washington. I know, Marilyn Manson. Any relation? I don't think so. What about Charles Manson? I don't think so. I didn't look it up, Bobby. Well, I don't think... Manson isn't Marilyn Manson's, like, No, his true real last name, name is Warner. Yeah, Brandon or Brendan? Brian. Brian? I knew something with a B. Well, I was originally thinking he about was Charles. Thinking Charles, Charles yeah. Manson. I mean, could be. Don't know. Didn't look it up. So on March 12th, 1974, at 7 p.m., Donna headed out into a slightly rainy night. She took a trail that was shrouded by trees that led to the side of the library on campus. So people describe this campus as like picturesque, like in a different time when you could have video cameras and shit be more security safe. This college would have been a really pretty place to be because it was like surrounded by woods and had these walking trails and things like that. She was going to the library because her school was putting on a jazz concert and she didn't want to miss it. But no one remembers seeing Donna on this trail or inside the library that night. So whatever happened to her happened quickly. And all we know is what Ted said. And he said that that whole night was a blur because of the amounts of alcohol he consumed. But he did tell Detective Bob Keppel that he burned her skull in Liz's fireplace. Just her. He's the only one. She's the only one he ever admitted to burning any part of her. How did and it was he just get it her into head. Liz's fireplace? I don't know. Without Liz. He no said one. he discarded the rest of her body in a place called Cascade Mountains, but they never found anything. I'm just saying, you know how hot it has to be to cremate a person? Like how hot a fire has to be? Yeah, people don't believe he really did it. Yeah, because that fire would have been going for days and days and days and days. But Samantha just gave me the look because of the whole it was a blur thing and like he's going to say I blacked out. I know. That's but he, I'm going to tell you up front right now, he never uses that. He says he remembers what he remembers and he never would claim he blacked out or anything like that. He just said. He knows he killed her, but he had drank a little too much alcohol to remember the details of what happened. And I want you all to remember that he's also, at this current time, still dating Liz, 
going to college, acting normal, living a normal life during the day. Well, not technically. He was sleeping a lot during the day, but he was still betraying himself as this normal, great guy to people while he's doing these fucked up things. It's the fact that he's using the alcohol basically as his excuse. Yeah, he is. He he takes it back later, like, I think. The alcohol is what validated it for him, which is so fucking stupid. I mean, I know well, many the way people he just, that drink alcohol and aren't like, you know what? Mm-hmm, no, the way right. he, no, the way he describes it is that, yes, he always had these fantasies of killing women, but he knew it was what was right and wrong, and that sometimes these fantasies would overpower what he knew was right, and he would drink alcohol to be able to just deal with that part of his brain taking over, kind of. I guess I explained it. Well, no, I mean because that still falls in line of he's yeah. using it as an ex- as an excuse to to excuse himself, like and yeah. to do it. Okay, so his next victim was 19-year-old Central Washington State student Susan Elaine Rancourt. Rancourt, and also at this time I think he was like 27. So keep that in mind. Mm. On April 17th, 1974, Susan put clothes in the washing machine and attended a meeting at her school about adding dorm counselors for security. Ted had been hunting for a victim around the library since early afternoon, but he wasn't having any success until he encountered Susan around 10 p.m. He had a sling on his arm and was pretending to fumble carrying his books and she agreed to help him he had parked his volkswagen bug in a remote area on campus with very little light and susan followed him there once at his car he hit her over the head with the crowbar and then he quickly put her in the car because i'm also gonna say he didn't have a passenger he took the passenger seat out of the car it was folded up in the back seat so all that's in the passenger seat is the floor. I guess to make it easier to transport them. Yes, and so they couldn't be seen from the windows. He drove her a short distance on I-90 in Issaquah, Washington. Did I say that right, Bobby? I have no idea. They got some weird-ass <laughs> names up there in Washington State, man. He then took her 200 yards up an old logging road. He killed her but he did not leave her body there. Her skull is one of the ones that was found on Taylor Mountain, but the rest of her body never been found. His next victim was Kathy Parks on May 6th, 1984. Is anyone paying attention that this is one a month? 74. What did I say? 84. 74. We all getting that this is one like every three weeks? I had not caught on to that. We've done January, February, March, April. Now we're in May. She was a 20-year-old student at Oregon State University that encountered Ted in the cafeteria at 11 p.m. that night. He only ever admitted to her murder to a reporter using the third person. And that was like years later when he was still claiming he was innocent. 
And what he told the reporter was maybe she encountered her killer in the cafeteria and was convinced to leave with him. And then maybe the opportunity presented itself. So he took control of her. That seems oddly specific. Yeah, right. A friend of Kathy saw her when she was on her way into the cafeteria and would tell police she looked upset and was torn about what to do in her relationship with her boyfriend because he wanted to, like, go to the next level of, like, get married, have a future together, blah, blah, blah. But she wasn't sure that's what she wanted to do because she was still in college, so she was telling her friend outside this cafeteria, like, I love him, but I don't know what to do. So her friend tried to get her to come back to her dorm room with her to talk about it. But Kathy wanted to walk around a little bit and said she would come afterwards. So if she would have just went with her friend right then, she wouldn't have ran into Ted at the cafeteria. Because that was the last time she was seen. People believe that Ted kept Kathy alive for the 240-mile drive back to Washington State. Because remember, they're in Oregon. He kidnaps her from Oregon. Yeah, which it seems as though for these uh, five months, he's trolling college campuses. Mm-hmm. Like, different campuses. Yeah. yeah, that's also his MO. He, They believe he had her handcuffed and gagged on the floor of the passenger seat for the 240 mile drive her skull was also found on taylor mountain and the rest of her was never found a little over three weeks later on june 1st 22 year old brenda ball disappeared in the early morning hours just south of seattle in burren washington She had been at the Flame Tavern with friends, and she asked one of her male friends if he would give her a ride home, but he told her he wasn't going in that direction, so she started to hitchhike. And that doesn't... never a good idea? No. Yeah, hitchhiking never ends well. If if your fucking woman friend asks for a ride, give her a fucking ride. Whether that's in the right direction or not, ask for gas. Uh, Remember, this is the 70s. This is the 70s when hitchhiking was super popular and people were not afraid of it. Yeah, hell to the no. That's why half of them died. Uh, Yeah. Give your friends a damn ride. Just ask for gas money. 50 cents, Jesus. (laughs) With gas prices nowadays? I'm just saying if they don't have the money. Okay, I would always give my friend (laughs) a ride, especially if we were at the same place at the same time. Like, why wouldn't you give them a ride? Right. Anyway, it's not this guy's fault. It's not, but still, give your friends ride. Well, unfortunately, the person who picked her up was Ted Bundy. Brenda's skull was found missing the lower mandible, and part of the right side of her skull was also missing, and it was found on Taylor Mountain. It is not... It was when an odd, like, not technically an autopsy because all they had was that little part of her skull, but they didn't believe that those pieces were missing because of an animal. Like, he took them. He either took them or they were not attached when he dumped the skull there. Like, he hit her 
that wow. hard and that many times. The animal who took him was no quadruped, but he's still an animal. Oh. Okay, I get it. It took me a minute. <laughs> Ted did not really take a cooling off period before he committed his next murder. Because before he was taking like three, three and a half weeks so no in gap between. This time. The next murder happened on June 10th. So he killed on June 1st, then now killed a week later. June 10th. On this is when he would kill 19-year-old Georgian Hawkins. Her case is one that's talked about a lot. There's even like an app I think where you can walk like it takes you through her crime scene and shows you like where she walked from, where she would have met Ted Bundy. Oh. Then where he took her to, like, where she followed him to, to his car. It's like a whole thing. Weird. Why? Mm, okay. uh, I don't weird. know why, but I I have heard in great detail what happened to the, this. I mean, it's not really a whole lot different than the rest of them, but she was a first-year student at the University of Washington and part of the Kappa Alpha Theta sorority. Her night started out very routine. She was studying for a Spanish test she had the next day. Later that night, she went with a friend to a frat party that was a couple blocks away from their sorority house. So they lived on what was considered Greek Row. So it was all sorority houses, frat houses, all in a row. George Ann and her friend Jennifer had heard about these girls going missing because it's all over the news that, you know, these girls have been going missing for like the last couple months. And at that point in time, they hadn't found any skulls or anything yet. They'd found nothing. Because remember, they don't find those things until a year later. Right. At this point, they're all missing persons. They're cases. all missing persons cases. They found nothing. So around 12.30 a.m., the two left the party and headed back to their sorority house on Greek Row. Ted Bundy was also on Greek Row that night. He was searching for his next victim. Georgian decided that she wanted to stop and visit her boyfriend, who lived on the way. The way it's described is like her, the boyfriend's frat house and their house was like down an alley. Almost like you walked down this alley. The frat house was at the beginning and their house was at the end. Okay. So she wanted to stop at the boyfriend's house. Jennifer was going to go the rest of the way down the alley to their house. And they were going to like yell to each other that they each were standing in front of the doors of these houses to know they were safe because I guess there were doors that came out into the alleyway that you could go in and out. The girls are both standing by the doors and they yell back and forth to each other because they can't see each other. It's dark. But they're like, hey, I made it to the door. Hey, cool, I'm at this door. And they both respectively go inside at the same time. Two different houses. Georgian talks to her boyfriend for like 30 minutes and then she leaves the house. When she's walking out this door into the alley, it slammed shut, which caused 
a dude who lived in whose room was on the second floor of the house he looked out the window to see who went out the door he knew george ann so they stood there talking for a minute before she was gonna walk down the alley to go home well ted was watching all of this in the darkness of this alley what a creep he decided he was going to abduct her she was by herself he could at least try to get her to fall for his ruse So when she starts walking towards her house, he's coming up the other way on crutches with this cast on his leg. And he's trying to carry a briefcase at the same time. When he was close enough to her, he asked her for help and she agreed. She took the briefcase and began following him back up the alley past her boyfriend's house. So she had to turn around and go back the way she came. So he just loved to play it, like throw on like Bambi doe eyes Mm -hmm. and just hook these women in to their like nurturing, mothering, like, yeah, yeah, like, of course I'll help you because you're broken and you're struggling and I would feel like a bad person if I didn't. Now kind people of wonder deal. why women are bitches, and they're like, "Oh, you broke your leg? Get your soda, your fucking self, buddy." <laughs> I ain't getting it with a crowbar. <laughs> no shit, I'm not even. You can't even convince my ass to put on a blindfold so you can give me a gift. Uh, heard that story? <laughs> not gonna be me, bitch. You are not gonna bash my brains in with a fucking baseball bat trying to give me a surprise. You can shove it right up yes. That sounds like a terrible surprise. <laughs> it happened. Well, yeah, there's a story about that. Anyway, it was not a close walk that he had her follow him to his car. Like, it was quite a distance from these houses. I would have began to question, like, if your car's way the hell over here, why were you the in the alley? <laughs> how the fuck were you way down there in an alley? And why? If you got the I'm briefcase sure she down j- the alleyway, sir, you can carry it back up. <laughs> <laughs> Get your own damn soda. <laughs> well, the car was parked in an unpaved lot with no lights except for a little from surrounding buildings. And he did his typical, oh, can you just put it in the passenger side for me? After hitting her with the crowbar and subduing her in the car, he drove her to the spot in Issaquah, Washington, which I looked it up for, Bobby, is about 15 miles east to southeast of Seattle. And it's at the south end of a place called Lake Sammamish. Which we're going to talk about in just a minute. But see, I looked up distances for you, Bobby. You should Thank be proud you. of me. <laughs> During the drive, Georgian woke up, but she was very confused and like kind of dazed. And she asked him if he was a tutor for her Spanish test the next day. Because she was like out of it from getting hit in the head with a fucking crowbar. When Ted told this story to the police, he kind of did this like, <laughs> isn't that kind of funny? She thought it was a tutor. What a dick. It's pretty heartless. Right? Uh, trust me, I, I sat and listened to his confession tapes. So 
He definitely right. did go, <laughs> isn't that funny that she thought I was her Spanish teacher? Wow. Yeah. And during his confession tapes, it's really fucking creepy because he whispers a lot. Like, he doesn't want certain people to hear what he's saying, even though he's recording. So he'll be like, I did this to her. Did you hear me? <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Anyway. It's weird. On, Jan- on July 14th, 1974, Ted did something different. He abducted two women at two different times of the day, but from the same place. Well, damn. I was hoping the difference was he, he didn't kill anybody. No. Yeah. That would have been the best difference. So, like, no. he abducted one, did his thing, and then came back and abducted oh, another I'm one? I'm going to tell you. Okay. She's going to tell us. I'm going to tell you. So, it's a Sunday, and we're at Lake Sammamish. Sunday fun day. State Park. Is it? Which. For Ted, I guess. I also looked up for you, Bobby, is located eight miles east of Seattle in a place called King County, Washington. All right. <laughs> All right. It obviously is July at a lake. Lots of people. Yeah. Packed. Packed. And this place is like described as, you know, people taking their boats out on this lake. It's kind of like the lake we grew up swimming in in Kentucky. Same kind of vibe. Ted was on a mission to find his next victim. He planned to abduct two women that day. And I couldn't find if this was like a spur of the moment thing or if it was planned but i went with it was probably planned because he planned everything and he didn't seem like a he didn't seem like a spur of the moment kind of deal until later on when he goes into that thing that serial killers sometimes do where they spiral then yes he kind of went batshit crazy well he's already batshit crazy but he got worse So that day, Janice Ott rode her bike to Lake Sammamish to enjoy the nice day like everybody else around there. She had just sat down on her towel and was applying sunblock when Ted approached her. He asked if she would help him with a sailboat at his parents' house in Issaquah. They had a brief conversation. Other people were around that heard them. Also, he was wearing a sling on his arm. And he told her that he, his brother wasn't home to help him hook the sailboat to the back of his car. So he wanted to know if she would come help him. But he's asking a woman this. Right. Not a man. Like, wouldn't that be I don't be think concerning? it was like a big sailboat, but well, either even way. Still, though, I, like, he's seeking out a woman specifically to come help. Help him hook up a boat. I'm telling you, it was a different time. People were more trusting. Listen, Obviously. It was the time of free I, love. I would have been like, uh, excuse me? <laughs> Find you a dude, sir, because no thank you. Oh, I, I'm totally yeah. going to call myself out here. I wouldn't even know what the fuck to do. <laughs> <laughs> I would have looked at it like, now what? <laughs> I don't... <laughs> and you want me to just tie the rope? I don't know. What are we doing? <laughs> How are we hooking it to a Volkswagen first off? Well, unlike us, Janice Ott agreed. She gathered up her stuff and followed Ted to his car. Later that afternoon, around 4.30, Ted stopped 19-year-old Denise Lasland as she was coming out of the bathroom. 
She was at the lake with her boyfriend and some of her friends, and Ted asked her to help him with his boat. Bobby made the audacity. But this thing. time, no. All I could think was, what the fuck do you say? You just hang out outside of a bathroom, and a woman walks out, and you're like, "Excuse me, miss. Was it one or two? Help me with my boat, <laughs> please." Is that what he's doing? <laughs> oh fucking ridiculous. Oh. Thank, thank God you're done with whatever you were doing in there. I need help with my boat. He literally made the the audacity. Well, that's just the first thing that came into my mind was, what the fuck is this guy doing asking people if it's one or two? You <laughs> going in there? Is it a one or a two? It's broken. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know why they were so willing to trust, but well, it I mean, was a different he time. He had, you know, plus 10 to his charisma. He was... Well, and plus he was also considered very good looking. I know. I know. From She had a boyfriend. Yeah, well. From all that I have seen, <laughs> he was an incredibly charming guy. Yes, and very like, he attractive. He just had some kind of voodoo magic on women. Oh, and police were fucking... It was hard to catch Ted also because he could change the way he looked so easily just by the way he had his face at the time like he could you know how i people can tell things about me because of the facial expressions i make well he had this ability of like using his face also to charm and people would not even remember what the hell he looked like they'd be like they would show them pictures and they'd be like that's not the guy that talked to me or just gotcha. so he was like fully in control of his facial expressions. Yes, it was almost like he could be a chameleon and he manipulate and his... he knew like he could turn his hair a different way or grow a little mustache or grow a beard and he would look completely different to these people just because he was so in control of his face. That's weird. Yeah. It's crazy. Okay. So back to Denise. She agreed also to go help him with his boat and followed him to the parking lot. Once Ted had Denise subdued, he took her to a location where he had Janice. Some oh, so he didn't dispose of Janice yet? No, she was still alive. Oh my God. Some reports say that she was tied to a tree and gagged. Ted would never disclose this location where he had them before he brutally murdered them. It's believed that Denise was only raped by Ted once because he had already spent hours raping and torturing Janice, so he was tired. He would later confess that he killed one in front of the other, but wouldn't say which one. But he also claimed that the only reason he went and got another girl is because he wanted to see what Janice's reaction would be if he brought another girl back. Yeah. Both girls, their bodies were actually found in September of 1974 by a hunter just three miles from the lake. After the murders of Denise and Janice, Ted moves to a different location to carry out his horrible fucking crimes so, if y'all want to hear where he goes next... Part three? Part three. Oh, okay. Oh, fuck. Man, this fucking guy. How sadistic. I'm like, 
mm, I just want to see how she reacts to me murdering somebody in front of her. Well, you don't know not. if he actually murdered Denise in front of Janice or the other way around. I think. He spent that whole time, like, fucking torturing her and raping her and was like, now I'm going to kill another girl in front of you and see, like, how far I can really push you kind of a deal before I fucking kill you too. I think stuff like that is a lot more common with serial killers than people may realize. Yeah. These These victims are... They treat them like like toys, like experiments, just little things. They want to see, well, if I do this, what are they going to do? If I do that, what are they going to do? Because Ted Bundy is far from the only serial killer to do some bullshit like that. I understand that. Uh, If you like today's episode, let us know. Hop on wherever you're listening to this. Give us five stars. Leave a review. Um, you know, share it with your friends, your family, whoever. Um, if you want to see pictures from today's episode, check out the Instagram at Missing Murdered Haunted. Check out the Facebook Missing Murdered Haunted podcast, and don't forget to hop on the Patreon. Get subscribed to that. Get the bonus episodes. Help support the show. And if you have case suggestions, send it over to our email, missingmurderedhaunted at gmail dot com. Anyone have anything else they want to add in? No. No. Nope. All right. Come back next week for part three. Bye. 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 Bye.